Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. May is Military Appreciation Month, and Navy Federal wants to celebrate the commitment that connects them to their military members. So visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to check out our member-exclusive offers during Military Appreciation Month. All right, today I'm talking with Navy veteran Jared H. Smith. We're going to talk about military transition. Uh, Jared's working on a book, The Commissioned Officer's Guide. Um, also got some cool stuff going on, The Liberty Accelerator. So Jared, uh, take us back, tell us what you did in the Navy. And uh, you're actually in the middle of your transition, so this should be good. Hey, thanks a lot for having me today, Joe. Sure thing. So uh, U.S. Navy, uh, Navy Supply Corps. So I've been supporting the line now for uh, going on 19 years. And that's right. I am right in the middle of, of my transition. Uh, about a year ago, I was at National Defense University. And the, the COVID pandemic and lockdowns kind of changed uh, the rest of our academic year at that institution. We were going to have a lot of travel to do, and all that got canceled. Uh, mm-hmm. That gave me the opportunity to to take a short breath, kind of stick my head up above that fog of fog of work, and uh, the the twenty two per day push up challenge on Facebook for bringing awareness to the veteran suicide crisis uh, prompted me to act. And uh, I asked myself a question: Are we doing transition right? And that came from a, a lot of unique experiences that I have had over the years. Um, and after formulating that five word question, I kind of came to an immediate answer of no, we've got it all backwards. Um, so that's kind of how how my transition, so to speak, really started. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the transition planning for me kind of started about five years ago, though I didn't know it explicitly at the time. Yeah. So what are some of the what are some of the things that have come to light as you're working your way through your transition? So as a senior 04, I had a collateral duty of transition assistance program officer where I, I assisted uh, 10 officers, five junior officers separating and five senior officers retiring um, from getting out of the service. And at the time, my role was checking those bureaucratic blocks to make sure that the, the government wickets were met mm-hmm. for those service members to get off of active duty. And reflecting on that time period, I, I didn't understand at the time why it seemed like nine out of 10 had a really hard time with it. Um, when I was selected for promotion to 05, that was kind of my wake up call that, hey, you're going to get out of service one day too. What are you going to do? Are you ready? And, and I, I wasn't. I hadn't intentionally been thinking about that eventuality. And it kind of made me wake up to the fact that I needed to, to do better with respect to, to, to planning for that eventuality. And it's taken me on a, a journey over the last two years now, two and a half years now, because I started in August of, of 18. Um, I recognize that a year ago, we collectively have got this transition planning all backwards. It doesn't start two years out from your separation or retirement date or less. It starts upon completion of the basic training pipelines or now. Hmm. Yeah. And what are some of the reasons why you think most people, most veterans getting out struggle with transition? Well, the main reason is 
after the psychological makeovers <laughs> in the training pipelines, we're focused on the little mission of warfare readiness at the staff and operational assignments that we're assigned to. And we're told that take care of your people and your leaders will take care of you. And that's true to an extent. That's true to the extent of taking care of our promotion eligibility if we do the good work. Uh, but I found that it's not so true with regards to our our family and individual situations, individually with respect to what I like to refer to as three pillars of, of life, health, self, and wealth. Uh, because our culture necessitates that we take care of our people um, in a very narrow lens specific to the little M mission of warfare readiness and being ready to go break things and, and kill people. And I think we need to... I think we need to balance that out a little bit better, take ownership of our own individual health so that we are fully capable of taking care of our people as well as giving our families what we need to give them when we're at home. Um, the, 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 the military mission has very little capacity to let the individual focus on themselves uh, beyond that rank, weapons platform, or, or service branch because that's not what the, 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 the mission of the organization needs. Um, but I would argue that our big mission of life and service and far beyond necessitates that we individually ensure that we're taking care of our health, we're taking care of ourselves, and then thirdly, we're taking care of our wealth picture. Um, because all three of those things are combining uh, on the transition battlefield landscape to uh, to put a whole lot of people in the hurt locker. And I think we can do a lot, whole lot better. Well, you know, most of the you know theoretically, most of the leaders that are still in the military can't help much with transition themselves because they haven't ever done it themselves um, because they're, Fair enough. You know, they're still in. Right. So that's right. Um, I think there's a, there's a certain level of ignorance. I mean, some we have friends that have already gotten out or retired and we can learn depending on how good your network is of folks that have gone out, gone out before you, you can get some good gouge on that stuff. But um, we really don't have uh, the ability, the, the connections outside the military most of the time to, to facilitate a good transition because we really don't know right. what we're getting into. Have you been to any of the, the TAMP, TAP, or tra other transition courses yet? I have, actually. I took TAP as a transition assistance program officer a number of years ago just to have an understanding of what uh, the, the officers I was helping, um, understand what they were getting, right? Um, also, during that same time frame, I also held the hat of casualty assistance calls officer and got trained on that. I was actually an assistant for one case, mm -hmm. which was insightful, but I still didn't pull out of that at the time what I should have uh, because I just didn't know or didn't realize the, the, the importance of that for every single service member to understand. Uh, you're exactly right. Because of the culture, we are, as leaders, we are not focused on that individual that frankly we perceive as quitting, right? Which I don't think is right. Yeah. Uh, no matter how long somebody served from six months up to 35 plus years, they're not quitting. They're, they're moving on with their life, right? They served and we ought to honor that and that ought to be respected. And we ought to afford them the same level of respect that they deserve for having served. Um, I like to, <laughs> Those three pillars that I mentioned, health, self, and wealth, I always like to say they all reside on a foundation, and that foundation is relationships. And the one time we all have um, during the basic training pipelines and then far afterwards is an opportunity every few years 
to move places and meet new people. And we can either build good, strong relationships with a with a relationship that is uh, built on rock, or we can focus on the little elm mission, concern ourselves with taking care of our people with respect to the little elm mission of that staff operational assignment, and then move on to the next assignment without staying in touch. And those are relationships that are built on sand. Um, so if, if if we choose the the former path and build good relationships throughout our military service time, I think we'll find that those transition years could be much, much easier. And that uh, that transition battlefield landscape, you'll have a uh, you'll have a little bit better team to surround yourself with in order to navigate those uh, those treacherous lands. All right. Well, hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Navy Federal Credit Union has made it their mission to help their military members for over 85 years, and I've been a member for the last 31 years. During Military Appreciation Month, they want to help celebrate the commitment that connects them to their military members. I became a Navy Federal member in 1990 when I first went on active duty, and many of their employees are military family members, reservists, or veterans themselves, so they get the military. They offer resources like Best Cities After Service and Best Careers After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life, And long after my retirement in 2013, I'm still a Navy Federal member. They have 24-7 customer service and support, so they're here for you whenever you need them. Most of my fellow Marines are Navy Federal members, like Bump, Gromit, Frazier, and Bones, just to name a few. So visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to check out our member-exclusive offers during Military Appreciation Month, or share your shout-out with hashtag MissionMilitaryThanks. Navy Federal is shared by NCUA. Emergency air medical transport can be expensive, and with all the sacrifices you made to protect our country, you deserve financial peace of mind. An AMCN membership can protect your family and finances, allowing you to worry less about what matters most. Air MedCare Network provides access to life-saving emergency care around the country, and their members enjoy an added value. Members pay no out-of-pocket costs for emergency air medical transport when flown by an AMCN member. In a life-or-death situation, you don't have time to worry about cost. Emergency air medical transport can be expensive, and health insurance may not cover the full cost. For as little as $85 a year, an Air MedCare Network membership covers your entire household. It's security no family should be without. For a limited time, as a Veteran on the Move listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card when you join. Visit airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash vet and use offer code VET. That's V-E-T. All right, back talking with uh, uh, currently, I, I called you a Navy veteran. I guess uh, you're going to be a veteran here pretty soon, but uh, currently still in the Navy, uh, Jared H. Smith, um, talking about military transition. Jared, what can you talk to us about awareness that most folks need to know about as far as uh, health and and medical-related issues when it comes to transition? Yeah, sure thing, Joe. So this is personal to me, and I, like you know many of, of my brethren, uh, in the services, uh, typically avoid medical throughout the, you know, the entirety of our, of our military career for some reason. And so long as we can meet that physical fitness assessment or test every six months, twice a year, and uh, aren't broken to where we can't perform the mission, then we, for some reason, stay away from medical so as to not to appear that we're not pulling our weight at that staff operational assignment. And um, I came through this personally myself with some some physical challenges that led into some mental health problems a few years ago. 
And I finally, after I had had promoted to commander, I finally went to the primary care physician. And after three visits, got a sleep apnea diagnosis. Um, through that, I got the the treatment I needed in order to get the rest my body needed every night so that I could wake up and have a chance at being my best at work and at home. And it was the Soldier for Life retirement guide that I picked up on Fort Belvoir maybe last summer, say. And in that retirement guide, there's a whole health card for the veteran. Mm. And I was like, why in the world didn't I get a whole health card you know, upon entry into the training pipelines yeah. or upon completion of the training pipelines or at any checkpoint through any physical uh, health assessment that I've had over the last 18 years. And I'm like, that's, that's asinine. That's just crazy. We should be taking care of our whole health throughout the entirety of our service time, not focused on it at the end or, or as a veteran. You know, how much better off would we be mentally, emotionally, physically, and, and even spiritually um, if we were intentionally, informatively uh, utilizing this great medical system through the Defense Health Agency that we have access to, to ensure whole health throughout the entirety of service time in preparation for uh, life far beyond it. Um, and it doesn't stop there either, because we all should be expecting to file some sort of VA disability claim, not not for the increased pay. Like that's not why that's not why you're doing it. Many of us have been into some pretty nasty places and and done some pretty hard things and have been injured from that. And later on in life, especially if you're young, later on in life, those elements may pop up and you may need you may need some additional support to uh, compensate you for for those elements and those experiences. Um, and then utilizing the medical system to take care of your whole health is, is, is directly tied to building your own personal health file that, that, that we each have to be experts on in order to know our bodies so that we can seek out the right medical treatment at the right time in order to ensure a whole health approach to our lives uh, because it directly directly impacts both your self pillar and, and your wealth pillar. Um, as well as, based on personal experiences, having bad health directly impacts your relationships um, in, in a negative yeah. way. So yeah, yeah that's uh, that's kind of a synopsis. Any questions on any of that? Yeah, I think you know a lot. A lot of us, while we're still in the military, we we assume we're healthy because we're in the military and we're we're taking physical fitness tests and right. we're getting uh, medical physicals on a, on a, at least an annual basis, and we've got organized organized PT and doing military yep. operations. I mean, how can you not be healthy if you're doing all that stuff, right? Right. It's a, uh, in the Navy, we like to say that the baffles are things you can't see. And that, that approach is, is for those army folks out there, it's, it's on the flank and you got to turn your head and take a look around and understand that just because you're maxing out that physical fitness assessment, Twice a year now for the Navy, once a year because you can comp out of it if you if you make a high enough score, which I did for the last five cycles. You still may not be healthy, and I actually had a, a commanding officer of mine who who asked me if I knew what emotional intelligence was. <laughs> uh, right right during that that time frame, that kind of, of sparked off you know some of the challenges I had a few years ago, mm-hmm. and not only that, not five years prior, a uh, uh, a lieutenant commander 
um, boss of mine on the carrier had given me the the book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and in, Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, I love that. Book. And those two those two checkpoints along my career were kind of telltale signs that something was wrong. And it wasn't until I was commander, uh, unfortunately, able to force my way through that uh, first line. Sad to say, that first line level of defense in the medical system to get a referral for a, a sleep test, and then sure enough. That led to a sleep apnea diagnosis and me changing my life over the past year. Um, but I probably lost a decade and maybe a, a thousand opportunities to build great relationships with um, colleagues from my past, as well as to, to develop better relationships at home. Um, that's time that's gone. And all I can do now is go forward. Let's talk to us about the, the Commission Officer's Guide and the Liberty Accelerator that you got going on. Okay, sure. So... In the spring of 2020, uh, when I saw the 22 push-up challenge to bring awareness to the veteran suicide crisis, um, that had been on the hills of me wanting to conduct my research into the cannabis space the fall prior because I was curious about the veteran suicide crisis and why we were having those challenges in that arena and what possibility might exist with respect to cannabis to take the place of pharmaceuticals to try to get after that that problem. I wound up not being able to do research in that arena because there wasn't enough literature on it for me to conduct the type of research I needed to do. But asking myself that question in the spring after that, after that um, Facebook challenge came across my bow, I realized we were not moving the planet with those push-ups. And I could just complain about it or I could try to be a part of the solution. And that's how the Commission Officer's Guide came into being. Um, so me having been a commissioned officer throughout my time in service, I don't think I have the necessary experience to advise in our enlisted ranks on these matters of health, self, and wealth, as well as relationships as it pertains to life and military service and preparations for far beyond it. But I did think that I could offer that, offer a perspective to the commissioned officer community and through them, um, enable them to one, go take care of their people. And then two, eventually down the line, get senior enlisted men and women um, into this program in order for them to maybe buy into to what I'm talking about and then go lead their soldiers, sailors, airmen, marine, and I guess what are they called? Spacemen now um, in the same, I don't know, what are in they the same arena. This, what is it called the Space Force? So, so that's kind of how the Commissioned Officers Guide came into being. I needed, a, I needed a brand. I knew in this new economy that finding a job at a corporation or for a small business was going to be tough. And even if I did, I'd better have a side gig too, because a paycheck could stop real soon um, in this in this very dangerous economic environment. And I started down a journey. And out of out of that and the Commission Officers Guide through last summer, uh, I stumbled across the idea of the Liberty Accelerator program to kind of formulate a structure through which service members can on-ramp to what I call the superhighway for transition. Um, in order to lean into their inevitable transition um, and fight their liberty battle to achieve achieve that freedom we defended beyond the rank. So that's yeah. kind of a, a synopsis. Any, um, anything so I can what kind of things are in the liberty? What are you doing with the Liberty Accelerator? Yeah, so basically I recognize that service members have to be met where, where they are. And a whole lot of us believe that transition is for later. TAP, SFL will take care of us two years or less out. And and that, that our networks that we've had from our past will ensure it will be okay. I no longer believe that. 
Uh, I don't, I don't, I no longer believe it's, it's who, you know, but now it's who knows you, who likes you and who trusts you. And if you haven't intentionally developed the relationships over the course of your career and you're waiting on your transition window and reaching back out to old colleagues to, um, to take care of you for transition, as well as depending on the base program, which, you know, really is a cookie cutter solution for the masses, just like our basic training was. Um, and our training pipelines were on the order of months to years long in many cases. So thinking that the transition assistance program is going to be all you need after three days at the base or the virtual tap course, I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that, that, that they got trapped. And what Liberty Accelerator program does is just the opposite. We say transition planning, preparations, and workups start upon completion of the basic training pipelines or now. And what we do is we overlay the, that weapons readiness life cycle to the individual service member and their family. And then we are continually advising them on the areas of health, self, and wealth, as well as relationships throughout the entire service time um, in order to equip them for that inevitable transition battle landscape the liberty battle that they're going to fight and then have them equipped to go live, live life to the fullest. Um, not only beyond the uniform, but while in service too. And so if somebody comes to the Liberty Accelerator, like what's that look like? So it starts out with them reaching out to me, expressing interest um, in what I've got. Uh, I will conduct with them what I call a recon session of 15 minutes, where in advance of that, I will send them a Liberty field guide uh, checkpoint project basically where they fill out a two pages of, Hey, here's what's going on with me. And this is what I need from you. Uh, we'll discuss that briefly on a 15 minute recon call. If, if I think they're a good fit for the program and they still like me after they listen to my Texas accent for 15 minutes, then we will move on to a 30 minute tactical session. Uh, before that 30 minute tactical session, I will give them what I call an intake questionnaire, which is much longer and gets more personal and dives deep into their specific health, self and wealth um, categories um, so that I can come to that meeting prepared to say, hey, here's what I'm seeing based on what you told me. Um, this is what I would offer you now based on your specific timeline and what your goals are in service and beyond it. And then, hey, would you like to join the Liberty Accelerator and follow up with a strategy session so that we can plan out your your mission planning basically and get ready for that battle and i think the transition battle begins at the 24 month month mark no matter if you're separating or retiring um the mission planning begins at the 48 to 60 month point um or earlier so um no i'm sorry not the mission planning the mission itself begins at that four to five year mark mm -hmm. and then obviously the planning is happening in the years leading up to to that five-year point so what's what somebody is joined the the Liberty Accelerator? What what do you do from there? Well, like I said, based off of what that individual's needs are, as well as their family, we onboard them. And I like to I like to split these the program itself. I say it's a, a five year program minimum, mm -hmm. and it is broken into to five basically year long projects. And I identified that nine months exist between uh, Valentine's Day and Veterans Day each year. And I refer to Valentine's Day as D-Day 
And that's because that's a DD-214, right? <laughs> Which is a very important piece of paper for every veteran out there and their family. And then Veterans Day is, is what I referred to and what was originally known as Victory Day. And that's what it is in the Liberty Accelerator program, too. It's Victory Day. When you embrace your liberty and grab that freedom and head off into, um, into society to do great things for it and uh, hopefully not be a burden upon it. Uh, so... That's it in a nutshell. Any mm-hmm. any questions? And not only that, the, the, the nine months that exist during this time frame, there are seven federal holidays. And each one of those holidays is kind of a checkpoint based on your unique plan and what you need to get done that year so that you're making progress. And the Commission Officers Guide is there to hold officers and their families accountable to get it done in the face of the little omissions that typically take priority because they've got to keep focused on their big mission of life and service and far beyond as well, so that we are equipped, prepared, and ready for this significant life-changing event that's going to happen to all of us. Yeah, the Commission Officer's Guide is just is just an, a book that uh, digs deeper into the transition, you know, aspects of transition. So the book is being written by the Commission Officer's Guide. The guide is not a book. The guide is is me. <laughs> but the name of the book is um, is The Military Veteran's Disadvantage. And there's 11 disadvantages that I've identified through my own experience and from what I've heard from the dozens and dozens of of officers and senior enlisted that are both in the midst of their transition battles, too, as well as those that have gone before us and are already out living the the life of a veteran. And I thought I needed to to write down what my thoughts were on the matter, because I think there is a there's a lot of value there. For the, the military, junior, was it the military officers. veteran disadvantage? Or the veteran That's disadvantage? right. Yeah, and the reason I the reason I did that is because there's thousands of Can there's you give thousands us some examples. Of, there's thousands of things out there that are all about advantages for the veteran. Right. And to cut through that yeah. noise, I thought would be hard. So I needed a a contradictory or a contrarian viewpoint yeah. in order to get somebody's attention. And there are there are disadvantages that I perceive um, hanging on to the rank past being in uniform mm-hmm. is one. Neglecting our health throughout service time is two. Not understanding the VA disability claim process is three. Uh, not understanding that there are three sides to a coin, not two, based on how much we love coins, uh, challenge coins in the service mm-hmm. is four. Uh, let's see here. I can keep on going. There's a there's a LinkedIn series from last Veterans Day that's got 11 days of <laughs> disadvantages, but yeah. that's what the chapters are made up of. Yeah, I liked it. And twist. then we like close with with how to without to turn that on your on its head and and make it your your advantage. Um, yeah. Knowing 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 what those disadvantages are. Cool. So if if somebody wants to if somebody wants to get in touch with you and uh, check out the the Liberty Accelerator and the and the the commission officer's guide and everything else that you got going on, how we go about doing that. Yeah. It's quick Google search with my name, Jared H Smith, along with Liberty accelerator and, or the commission officer's guide should make me the top hit. Uh, there's a Liberty accelerator YouTube channel that I'm building out content and playlists for junior officers and senior officers, both in transition and not because I think we're all in transition, but very few realize it until it's too late. Uh, I've got a newsletter through Substack. Um, you can also uh, probably find me via the hashtag heck yeah or the hashtag Ike, I-K-E, um, because I consider myself the Dwight D. Eisenhower for the transition war. <laughs> and it's going to take imagination, knowledge, and experience, Ike, to win. 
Awesome. So, um, yeah, be a, join me as a Liberty fighter and we will navigate that tra transition battlefield landscape together on a team, just like every other mission we've ever gone on in service. Great. All right, Jared. Well, thanks for sharing your story. Uh, good luck in, in your transition and your mission to assist others in, in their transition out of the military and look forward to your future success. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for having me today. True, true pleasure. I'm humbled I was uh, able to, to join you. So thanks so much. You bet. All right. These vet, two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>